Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I am joined by Lyndon O, co-founder of Ozone. Welcome, Lyndon. Thanks, Luke. Great to be on. Yeah, super glad to have you today. Um, so, Ozone, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure uh, how many people in the, the blockchain Web3 space have heard of you at this point. I know uh, you have somewhere around 100,000 users, um, but... It seems like you're you're targeting uh, people outside of blockchain and kind of bringing people into the fold. You think that's fair? Yeah, that's a very fair characterization. I would say we're making the big unveil onto Web3 uh, in the next uh, 30 to 60 days. We have been a fully functional uh, Web2 only company for the last uh, two years, have built a two-sided marketplace with over 100,000 registered users. Uh, and the, the offer that we've given to those 100,000 plus users is passively monetize your data just for being on the internet. So keep living your life online. We are going to take on the what we view as an upside-down model where you are generating a lot of data and all these other parties uh, on the internet, you know, which includes the big tech companies, uh, platforms that you're on and advertisers, publishers, developers are all making money off that data uh, except for you. And you are the, the producer, uh, which we saw as a you know, really distorted model that, that needed to be challenged and, and, and disrupted. So we came in, uh, in in 2021 with a really simple product. Uh, we launched a, a browser plugin where users simply pin the plugin to their browser and uh, we operate quietly in the background, uh, logging user history, which <laughs> effectively is reproducing uh, third-party tracking cookies, and then making the users the owner of that, that cookie. So uh, rather it being a third-party tracking cookie, it's a zero-party tracking cookie, as in the only party is you. And then uh, on the other side of the market, having companies serve you as a user promoted content exclusive content uh, with you know un- unique offers and deals that are only available on Ozone properties. And if you engage with that content, we generate revenue from those companies. And mm-hmm. the cool part was that we share that revenue directly with you. So uh, it is trying to uh, make sure that users are fairly compensated for the things that they uh, generate online, which is you know your site visits, your interactions with the page, uh, understanding, you know, uh, the, the specific behavior, behavioral attributes about a user as they move from property to property, which is all the stuff that businesses really love, love to understand about you. And that is what actually drove this three to $400 billion uh, digital advertising industry. And now we're making a, a big move onto Web3 to make it uh, easy for users to claim crypto instead of cash. Uh, so same model, uh, but moving now into a uh, wider set of options for users to uh, to be comp- um, in, in, in the, the, the mechanism by which they're compensated, make sure they have as much choice as possible. Very cool. Yeah, so the for the moment, specifically focusing on the, the payouts and the currency that you can get, um, I think you you said beforehand that you were looking uh, or you're using USDC initially. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. You know, you mentioned at the top of the podcast that that uh, we have 
Web two users that are uh, some of them are first time for the first time dipping their toe into the crypto world, and uh, USDC stablecoin uh, is a cryptocurrency which we view as a sort of lightweight entry point into the crypto universe, which can get a little bit uh, complicated and and a little bit opaque, uh, sometimes difficult for the everyday web two internet user to really understand unless you're really you know diving deep and kind of a, a crypto nerd usdc offers the advantage of giving users uh a really simple to understand cryptocurrency it's pegged one-to-one to the us dollar so you never really have to think about the the value fluctuation relative to fiat currencies because it moves in tandem with with the dollar and uh, it offers a ton of flexibility for uh, our users and that they can get a lot of liquidity from it uh, immediately because there's always a demand for USDC. And uh, sure. we have the the account already set up and working on a, a simple payout function for our users. Looking to launch that in the next uh, 30 to 60 days. And all our users need to do is bring their own wallet. So if they have a Coinbase wallet or a MetaMask wallet, we will uh, make that make that happen for them. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that's no small task for people who are not familiar with blockchain, right? If you've never had a wallet, you've never had to deal with, um, you know, cryptocurrency in general. Stablecoins certainly help. Like mentally, I can I can rationalize holding crypto that's just representative of the money I'm used to holding. Um, but the still the the process of getting people to set up a wallet that's that's no easy task. So I'm curious, how are you, how are you handling the accessibility around, um, you know, onboarding people to wallets and managing cryptocurrency um, when they're not familiar with the space? Yeah, that's a great question. And that is one of our biggest challenges in our, in our new user flow. Uh, so we anticipate a large population of our users experiencing crypto for the very first time by just by virtue of being an Ozone user and uh, we, we are looking at it as a huge opportunity to just educate users on what's actually happening in uh, the digital asset space. Ozone, as a Web3 company, uh, which we had envisioned since inception, but only now are finally able to uh, materialize the vision of, of a, a Web3 uh, platform, is to sure. give users a, a really quick sweeping tour of this is what is happening in the cryptocurrency universe blockchain is critical because it ensures your privacy it ensures your sovereignty and it ensures ultimately transparency in uh, all the transactions that we are going to enact on your behalf as a user so uh, as a company we we are committed to making uh, our users confident in uh, the in handling uh, down to the very line item uh, every source of income that they're getting from their data and uh, for every uh, what we call, you know, if you can think of it as like a balance sheet, like credits and debits, like for every credit we make to your account, we want to make sure that you see where it came from, uh, why why you got what you got uh, in, in terms of the, the unit value. And then the best way to do that is really put it on blockchain. So we want to educate users on why this infrastructure is really important and valuable to them and then why the digital currencies are, are so important. And with that, we'd like to give users a simple wizard-like tutorial to, to show them how to create an account. It is, it is certainly a, a kind of daunting experience for the first time. We think that with the right 
with the right messaging and uh, pointing to users to the right resources and communities, uh, they'll be able to do it uh, pretty quickly. We really look at ozone as the um, as the uh, sort of the entry point for uh, the everyday internet user who's never seen crypto before to easily, quickly uh, start uh, holding cryptocurrency and and uh, becoming crypto users. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure you're acutely aware the the challenges of educating users because anytime you have text on the screen, over half the people don't read it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's tricky when you're trying to get somebody who's unfamiliar with the concept to to ramp up on that and uh, cryptocurrency especially because it's it's not simple and people who've heard of it tend to have some baggage of you know I'm going to get hacked. There's scams. It's all a Ponzi scheme. And um, yeah, so I'm curious, what's your, your strategy uh, for users who m- maybe want to use Ozone and, and earn a little money, but are uh, crypto skeptical or, or actively anti-crypto? Um, are, are you going to keep the, like, the normal payments options available or are you moving full Web3? We are, uh, that's a great, great question. We are continuing to support normal payment options for those uh, crypto skeptical users that can always opt to uh, elect to receive uh, cash to their PayPal account. In the future, we will make the experience uh, so valuable to users, uh, sorry, earning in crypto so valuable to users that cash will be uh, not the preferred option and, and cryptocurrency earnings will be the preferred, you know, primary option, favorite option by, by our users. But in the meantime, as I, uh, as I had said before, our, our vision really is to give users as much choice and freedom as possible and how they uh, translate their earnings into, you know, actionable, valuable, you know, value, valuable uh, store, uh, store value for them. Um, and so, you know, I think the, you mentioned text is, Text is not not the way to go. I totally agree. N- nobody really likes to read uh, an instruction manual anymore, and nobody really wants to take the time, even to to watch a video. And you know, we've we've learned pretty quickly. It's funny that even over the last three to five years, very few people even want to watch explainer videos, which, which was uh, kind of a relic, I think, of the uh, the early two thousand tens, two thousand fifteens, which was uh, then you know really novel and effective. But now people don't even really have the patience uh, for that. You know, we look at what Coinbase did during during the Super Bowl, which we thought was incredibly, uh, you know, really exciting, really, really brilliant. They just uh, put a QR code up on on the screen, just kind of bouncing around, and right. people were like, "I got to see what this is." It's, and, and it was just sort of one of these things, which is like um, an element of mystery and kind of you know, and cloaking the this the product around around some mystery and, and it, it created a lot of intrigue uh, and what we learned from that is that people really respond to uh, action so we want to just lead uh, p- users into a series of actions um, <clears throat> that will make it really easy for them to understand what they're signing up for then there's always an opt-out process you don't you know once you get further in the flow and actually creating an account and you realize that you don't want to do it you can always fall back on cash uh, but we want to eliminate the friction as much as possible. Um, and and we, we like the approach of just putting visual assets up, uh, pointing them to taking a few quick steps, clicks and, and scans, and then, uh, and then it's done. 
and we think you know that's that's where the the future is going to be. Um, you know, really excited to to try it out. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's exactly the way I I prefer to do it. Having um, you know a, a not really a demo, but like a, an experience that guides the user through what they're what they're getting themselves into with very small actionable steps along the way. Um, yeah, typically has a much better return than uh, anything else I've seen. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, awesome. Yeah. And it's a tricky balance, right? Because if you have too many steps or too complicated a step, you lose people at every, every, uh, every, so yeah. Yeah. uh, Threading that is, is tricky. And so I, I haven't personally seen a great, uh, example of a DAP that, that really nails this. Yeah. but I think the key of what you're doing is that you're still keeping the traditional payment options. And so having choice for, for the user and, you know, making it economically favorable to move to crypto, um, it, you know, they'll know it's there. They'll say, no, I don't want to deal with it, but eventually it'll, the motivation will be there and they'll say, all right, I'll go through the 10 step process to figure out what, what this is. Um, that's exactly right. And just pointing a little bit into the future and what we're going to do with that, that crypto to, to, as you said, to motivate users, it is going to unlock access to no- novel experiences, novel content, and other digital assets that are only available through the cryptocurrency. So you can think of it as having a multiplier value over, over the dollar, uh, over, you know, it w- won't be a one-to-one, uh, analogy anymore to be a many to one, uh, analogy in that, you know, users will be able to unlock multiple things, uh, for the equivalent of $1 of a cryptocurrency. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit about your, your competition in this space. Um, if we're talking kind of web three native companies, I think the most obvious, uh, comparison would be brave with their basic Mm -hmm. token. Um, but it seems like there's a very, there's a key difference in your, your positioning and who you're going after and, and how you're incentivizing um, usage. I wonder if you could go into more detail on that. Yes. A huge amount of respect for Brave. I love what Brendan Knight has done. He really uh, satisfied a market demand for a highly private privacy optimized browsing uh, internet experience in, in a world where users really do not have control over, uh, over their browsing. Uh, I think w- w- what ha- has, has done to date over the last uh, decade or so since it's been in business is really indexed on privacy uh, more than it has on control. And sure. uh, for that, I think it's done really well. And it's it's created um, a, uh, a really feature-rich experience where you can kind of batten down the hatches on 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 ads, on um, your visibility as an internet user to to other third parties, uh, and really creating what we look at as like you can hide yourself well from the internet if you want to. And this feature roadmap really reflects that go, going into, into the future. Um, I think it where it has kind of missed the mark is giving users more choice for themselves on how they want to interact with advertisers and uh, how they can actually take advantage of their own data. So it has a, a data minimalist approach, and our, our vision is much of a data maximalist approach, which okay. is let's, let's unlock the value of data assets for users, 
give them the control over how they manage those assets, build an inventory for them, give them the tools to manage that inventory and connect it to advertisers and publishers that they really like. And then uh, make those assets the mechanism for of exchange interacting with businesses and, uh, and publishers uh, to make sure that they get their fair share for that interaction. And then in return, get a really personalized browsing experience. So where, where Brave has uh, created a um, kind of a, an extractive experience where they're, you know, removing content um, and, and, and giving you a kind of sanitized, sanitized experience. We want our, our user's experience to be highly content rich and relevant. Uh, mm. but, but all that content uh, should be exactly the type of content that you have uh, opted into. And it, it is what you uh, is, it should be a reflection of you as a user. Uh, the sure. huge opportunity with Web3 is that ultimately your wallet and uh, your data written to blockchain will ultimately be your identity and will be a reflection of you. And uh, our vision is to create a system where we are able to aggregate all this data that uh, forms essentially your internet identity and then put you in control of that. And what that really means is that the digital properties you interact with and the content that they serve to you should really be a reflection of your identity. And so it'll look like an extremely personalized, bespoke browsing experience, which is just a, a byproduct of the control. And then, of course, um, you know, even ancillary to that experience is just the monetization. Of course, you're going to be earning because it's, it, it's your assets and we've given you control of your assets. So uh, I think that's the, um, that's the vision where we, we see an opportunity where Brave, Brave left this opportunity open for us uh, to fill. Very cool. Yeah, it seems like your kind of your ideal customer is like the deal shopper, right? Where they're searching for coupons and, and you know, they're happy to hand over their data in a survey or, or whatever, as long as they can get $5 off of something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good observation that, while Brave does have their basic attention token that pays you to browse and, you know, click ads and whatever, it's not, uh, the, the positioning of what they've built is not for just people who want to make a little money being right. Online. Yeah. It's, it's much more targeted at the, uh, the privacy focused, uh, maybe you could say paranoid. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But probably for good reason. Yeah. Uh, for very good reason, yes. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And and the ecosystem we're trying to build around earnings monetization is not just the earnings on data itself, but what you can do with it. You can action your earnings into other income and passive income passive income generating assets. Uh, what Web three has opened up is a is an entire world of uh, DeFi products, uh, retail financial products, other digital assets that are uh, accessible through token. And we'd like to have our tokens as the, um, as the, the uh, medium of exchange that gives users access to other assets they can invest in uh, through Ozone. We would be uh, through our wallet, through the user's wallet, uh, kind of cust custodians of, of these assets for the users. And then they can see over time, just like any other investment portfolio, the value of their assets, the projected value over time, how much you expect to earn, uh, at, at the uh, at, with their current settings, monetization settings, 
and then really forecasting the future for users where they are um, managing data as uh, any other asset class for, for themselves. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that gets back to your mission of control, right? Where you want to give the users control over their data. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's really interesting because when I think about control, to me, it, it means, you know, limiting access for other people, kind of the privacy angle, because I am, uh, you know, more of that bent than than your target customer. But for, I, I can see how for a lot of people control would probably mean, you know, owning the value of it and being the, the, the person who benefits from it. Um, so right. yeah, yeah, that's, it's an interesting <laughs> psychographically, like it, it, it maps differently than my mental model, but I, I can see wh- how it fits. Yeah, and I I think when you look at the wave of of uh, democratization tech companies that that sort of made a splash over the last uh, decade, you look at Airbnb, Robinhood. So what Airbnb did really well was they they turned everybody's uh, guest room uh, into an asset, uh, and and then their couches and you know their couches became an asset, and their living room uh, sort of unlocked inventory for users to generate income. We look at our mission the same way. We, we know these are, you know, data is a non-exclusive good, so which means that you generate it, it's yours, but other people can, can use it as well. And that's what we ultimately sign up for when we sign the terms of service on Facebook. You're essentially giving Facebook licensing right to your data, uh, you know, in perpetuity as long as you're a user. But, it, but you can do, you know, they give you, min, you know, some uh, partial access to your data yourself. And if you had the tools to do something with it, you could. Uh, and that's what we're doing is give, give you the tools uh, to, to make a market for yourself as well. Um, and, you know, what Robinhood, I think, did well was they, they made retail investing really accessible uh, and, and open up the world of, of securities um, to, to um, the everyday user and, and made it cheap, uh, easy and, and uh, fun, fun to do so. And, you know, we, we are looking at, at, at a uh, series of products in the future pipeline for us that will give users the same tools to manage your data assets in exciting and creative ways. Very cool. Well, it's exciting stuff. <clears throat> I'm very interested to see where you go with this. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you've already got some traction kind of in the, the Web2 space, which I think, I mean, based on your, your target uh, demographic, it, that's where you needed to start. It doesn't, I think if you'd started from Web3 and paying people in USDC, you wouldn't be where you are today. So, Yeah, yeah, that's a great observation. We, we did thinking about doing that, but we just knew that the market wasn't ready, that in, the tech was not really commercially viable in, in 2019 when we launched as a pre-seed company, but, but today is really the right time. Uh, and we knew that we would have to evolve with the internet, start as a Web2 company and then evolve into Web3, which is what we've done. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that, so that's an interesting perspective because your, your journey of evolving with the internet, um, like it, it's super clear to me because I, I think about this stuff a lot, but the, it's the journey of offering web two traditional payments and then adding custodial wallets and a stable coin, and then eventually getting to probably your own token and, uh, you know, self 
managed wallets and all that. Um, I think uh, you'll you'll definitely have a percentage of your users that move up that more quickly. They'll be the early adopters. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you were to to drop any one of those at any point, you'd lose a significant portion of your user base. So it's uh, it's interesting. I, I I mean I think what will what you'll see. You, you probably are thinking this too, is over time as Web3 becomes more mainstream, you'll have the majority moving up that ladder uh, similar to any adoption curve of new technology. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think as uh, the notion of crypto as an alternative to the world of fiat banking, uh, you know, sort of money that responds to actions of, of centralized institutions like central banks, as a viable store of value, as that becomes more widely accepted as a store of value, the more it will be treated as even more valuable than fiat. And I think there's a world we're looking at in the future where people will simply just, even if even if they have PayPal accounts, they'd prefer to use their 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 crypto their crypto wallets uh, to to transact. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, so I guess for Really, really, the next thing then is once you've, once users are educated and they're and they're moving through that pipeline or funnel or whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. you're going to have different challenges, right? Like the the accessibility challenges you're facing today are with education, wallets, um, gas fees, and and getting people yeah. over those hurdles. Uh, but as users adapt to that and learn how to use crypto outside of ozone um it's going to be a very different uh conversation uh, yeah. curious i mean i haven't personally put much thought into this but beyond that stage what do you think are the next um challenges that that you're yeah. focused on beyond those first few yeah i think you outlined a few operational challenges that are you know we, that are um certainly uh not trivial for us and we we have to we have a plan to overcome them i think there are, are a few strategic challenges for us uh as in um what will the crypto landscape look like in 2023 and 2024 relative to uh big tech companies that have been kind of crypto skeptics until up until you know, just very recently, and only now are making moves into the crypto space. Uh, so we, we've seen sort of like a natural kind of split in the market between wildcat pioneer startups that have been really aggressive in um, driving the adoption of Web3 tech, uh, and then the kind of incumbent um, the incumbent uh, players in, in Web2 that have sort of sat on the sidelines watch from afar and say, you know, we don't touch this stuff because we're, we want to see where it's going. But now we're seeing the two worlds converge a little bit. Uh, and I think that there's, there's a future where potentially big tech is making similar offerings. And, uh, you know, we would be potentially taking, taking on some of those offerings head to head. Um, and, you know, I think it'll just be a really exciting, really exciting time. We're seeing a, a major war happening right now on the future of the metaverse. Yeah. Every time I, uh, check some content or some blogs. Uh, there's a, there's a new, uh, kind of, and it kind of reminds me of like 
like the browser wars of the '90s, or uh, even going back to like like format wars, like Laserdisc versus you know VHS and, and DVD and, and Betamax, and sort of like who's going to win this war? Uh, yeah. That big consumers being Facebook, Microsoft, uh, you know other other platforms that are um, decentralized, and and you know we're we're in really exciting space to see. You know, there could be a future where there's a completely unknown player that emerges and, and they take the whole thing and they own, the, they own the metaverse and they own cryptocurrency earnings and they become the standard, the default. They become the new internet, right? And that, that, that could happen, uh, you know, in 2023, 2024. Mm-hmm. And we, we might see some of the older dinosaur tech companies um, really become dinosaurs again. Uh, so right. I'm very excited uh, for that future. Uh, I think tech tends to move in these cycles where, um, you know, the, the company that was once dominant and you thought they were never going to lose, uh, they, they, they do lose and they, um, they become relics. Uh, and you know, I, I used to work at Facebook and I remember, uh, you know, every time you go to the headquarters in Menlo park, it looked, everything was given a makeover and it looks, uh, you know, pretty polished and, you know, really, really beautiful campus. But you you remind yourself that that Facebook sign is actually sitting on the old Sun Microsystems sign. And that that building is is, uh, basically the uh, makeover of Sun Microsystems, those buildings, uh, which is just a reminder of how how quickly things can change. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Yeah, and I, I think it's, I think you're right on that, you know, we have this impending um, transition for the web coming um, and tech does move very fast. So you very well could be right about that 2023, 2024 timeline. I think the challenge is really um, public perception because crypto is not favorable in many people's eyes. Um, And so even if the technology is there, what we if you want to see broader adoption uh, and, you know, spreading decentralization to the masses, you have to get over that hurdle of of perception. Um, And I I think that companies like yours that are really trying to bridge that gap from web two to web three with reasonable Mm -hmm. incentives and um, giving control back to the people. I think you're, you're doing a lot of that work of, of helping with perception. So yeah, thank you. And I think the, the key sort of, sort of turning point, I think, in perception will be the, the, the moment when users realize that decentralization ultimately means that you have individual uh, freedom and control and that uh, it, things don't have to be the way they are, that there is an alternative. And uh, th- there is, of course, a there has to be some critical mass where uh, there's entire populations of users that all arrive at that sort of epiphany kind of this epiphanic moment where you embrace this alternative future and it's up to us companies like us and communities like like ours to uh make users aware of this this new future that's on the horizon seems inevitable now because there's so much activity uh not only you know funding activity but but a lot of really passionate uh entrepreneurs with tons of conviction about, you know, creating a, creating a different future that are out there, you know, starting companies, failing, starting again, uh, you know, and there's, it seems like there's so much, um, there's so much uh, 
so many challengers now to the old model that um, it seems like it's just a matter of time before it actually happens. And, you know, when you look back to even the advent of Web 2, uh, in contrast to what, you know, looking at the distinction between Web 2 and Web 1, Web 1 was really about just one-way consumption of, uh, of data, like sort of, you know, originally it was like static HTML, and then it became, you know, responsive JavaScript. Uh, but, but either way, as users sort of in a, a read-only function on Web 1. So I, right. I only have read privileges. Uh, of course, you could, you know, create your own websites, but really it wasn't about uh, producing content so much as it was about accessing indexed content that was relevant to you. Web 2 really only happened, Web 2 being the read-write uh, transition where users could actually write and publish their own content, create user-generated content, create novel content experiences for other users in a democratized way. That really only happened because users started to realize the power that they had to do those things and the tools were made available to them to do so. So we saw the advent of uh, short form video, uh, YouTube and you know, the, the, the YouTube team really did um, uh, made a, a massive uh, sort of paradigm shift for, for everyday uh, content creators to, to create platforms for them. Uh, but really it was about education. Like, Hey, did you know that you can become your own uh, content producer mm. uh, on web two? Um, so I think we're right at that inflection point for Web3 where users are, are realizing that this tech is unlocking, you know, another set of freedom, uh, you know, a different type of freedom on the Internet and a new set of control controls. Um, and, you know, we're excited to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that that concept of decentralization, as it works its way into the, the general understanding in the world, um, it's going to be a feature that actually people are going to ask for. Right. Right. It's not like right now, if you say we're decentralized, people don't even know what you're talking about. But if you like, once it becomes a known entity, uh, it'll be something of, of demand. Um, I'm assuming for where you're at, you know, with your transition from web two to web three, uh, you're basically a custodian of, your users' data and money and all that, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's not decentralized. Like, you know, you're using centralized servers and all that. Right. Do you have a roadmap or idea of how you'll get to, um, you know, decentralized, non-custodial data, at least as an option? For yes, users? we do. Great question. You're right. Right now, we store everything on central servers. The users, of course, have uh, access to that their own data and they're able to manage their data, but it is still housed in, you know, a single place that the company of his own operates right in the future. That data will be stored on uh, decentralized uh, storage systems like IPFS, uh, gotcha. which is inter- the, you know, for, for listeners that don't know, it's uh, called the inter- interplanetary file system, uh, you know, really kind of grandiose name for which, which is essentially just de- decentralized storage. What that means is that users can, with their private key, and only with their private key, only people with their private key, which hopefully is just the users themselves, access that stored data. Um, and so it becomes like, if you can think of it as like an analogy, is like a bank with your safety deposit box, but only you have the key to that to that deposit box. Uh, right. And we're we're trying to create the equivalent system of storage for users, um, and make it in a way where it's giving them as much control over it as possible without 
uh, without them having to do uh, too much, you know, because uh, not, we don't want to ha have to create, you know, new work for users to, to, uh, to be able to access the benefits. So um, it's really up to us to make it as easy as possible. And one of the things we're doing to create value immediately from that decentralized system is a patent that we have uh, just submitted to the U.S. Patent Office, which allows a user to set simple permissions, literally like kind of like on your Apple device, you turn the switch on or off, um, mm. and and allow uh, your certain attributes about yourself from your decentralized storage to become discoverable uh, in a anonymized way. Uh, and that, that mechanism is, is called zero knowledge proof uh, for, for people that understand people in the crypto community. But really what that means is sort of a fancy term for there are a few things that you can show that have that prove that you uh, have certain uh, data that you are uh, that you belong to certain categories without you having to reveal that underlying data itself. And most most marketers really don't care that much about um, specific data line items. I really care more about do you fall into certain categories. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, so you can pretty easily disclose that you're belonging to certain groups and certain categories, uh, certain attributes about yourself. Those are, you know, demographic. Uh, if you're in market for a particular product, if you are a specific buyer of re repeat buyer of a specific product, let's just say whatever hobby it is you're, you like to tinker with cars, you're a motorcycle enthusiast, you ski, you surf, uh, you like water sports, you like outdoor sports, mountain biking, et cetera. Um, these are really things that, that marketers care about. And we make that easy for you uh, to monetize that, that data um, on, on automatic uh, with our, with our um, pending patent. Very cool. No, that's, that's great. Um, I know people in the, the crypto community sometimes have a, a visceral gut reaction to the the word patent <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it serves a purpose absolutely and i think um what you're describing is uh, is really valuable where you know just basically giving control getting back to your your core mission statement mm -hmm. um to to users in terms of how their data is used or not used for making them a little extra money so that's right yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, patents patents seem like also a relic of the the era of you know even pre Web one, uh, but sure. but they are uh, they're useful in that um, you know we can ensure that uh, we have a system that works for users and that um, you know we can continue to build on top of it and and uh, generate the you know the best talent and the best people around around this technology. Very cool. Well, Lyndon, this was an awesome discussion. I really appreciate you taking the time out and talking through what you're doing at Ozone. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. So for people listening who want to know more and maybe try out your Chrome extension, where can people find you? You can find us on ozone.ai, a uh, very simple URL, or in the Chrome web store. If you just type in Ozone, we will uh, come up in the results. A really simple sign-up process. Look for a wait list for a crypto product to launch in the next uh, two to three weeks. We'll, we'll have a completely refreshed brand uh, and a, a simple sign-up uh, where you can get early access to our crypto product. Um, very exciting uh, to be launching the product and 
I hope everybody uh, will sign up and give it a try. All right. Well, thank you, Lyndon. That is all the time we have. So I hope you join me again next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, Luke.